Welcome to the Tech Titans Insights Podcast. This is Amy Alexander. I do communications for Tech Titans. One of the goals we're trying to do is to get more content available in a podcast format so that you can listen to it on the go. Sitting down with me this week was Dr. David Ricketts. Dr. Ricketts is a Harvard professor who's teaching innovation. Who's come down and he taught a couple of day class. It's 15 minutes. It's a great investment just to find some good ideas for how to be more innovative. We hope you can join us for the next innovation masterclass, and that's coming in the fall. So welcome to the Tech Titans Insights Podcast, Dr. Lucas. So glad to have you. Hi, uh, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, Tech Titans is an amazing organization. I'm glad I can be working with you and down here in Texas doing our Innovation Masterclass. Oh, wonderful. Now tell me, uh, and this is whenever you're saying, how are you qualified to talk about innovation? What do you do in your day job? Uh, so I'm an Innovation Fellow in the Technology and Entrepreneurship Center at Harvard. Uh, it is a small center inside the engineering school, which is best known for uh, its dropouts. So Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates <laughs> went to our school. And, and the center sort of in jest was started because the dean wanted to see about uh, creating resources for the next generation of Bill Gates. And so uh, I've been with the center ever since I was uh, a grad student there where I did my Ph.D., uh, prior to that, I was an industry where I did strategic marketing and product development. So my entire life has been with technology and translating that technology to impact. And so I sort of think I've been part of innovation uh, my entire life. So how did we get so lucky to have you in North Texas? Because we're fun or beautiful? Um, actually, I was working with some great companies here in the area, and they connected me with uh, Tech Titans. And I think the organization, the companies that are there, had a tremendous opportunity to uh, have the discussion about innovation continuing. So uh, uh, after a few adult beverages, uh, we, uh, uh, we got together the strategy to offer an innovation course uh, to uh, everyone in the Tech Titans kind of ecosystem. Sure. Uh, sometimes some companies, and I often will do a master class as part of corporate education, but that's one company or the other company. We really wanted to open it up and have a discussion amongst all the great uh, people in the Tech Titans. Uh, so they can there. learn from each other. Exactly. exactly. So we had a good lesson so far or a good experience so far? Oh, we had. We had a, a great first day. We've got a lot of companies, a lot of tech companies doing. Uh, we've got uh, some insurance companies in the room. We've got some other innovation companies in the room. Really trying to drive the conversation of what is innovation. And I think one of the things that is true, but people don't really admit, is that almost anybody working in their company on innovation feels a little bit isolated sure. because they're trying to find other people who are trying to break out of the mold. And a lot of companies try to build for efficiency, and so they try to repeat the mold. And so getting people together in an event and organization like this allows them to share best practices, learn new techniques, and also network on the subject of innovation. Awesome. So you're... There are a lot of companies who are establishing innovation places right now. Is there any similarities to how that works? I mean, is that so? I think um, so. One of the biggest challenges is that innovation is sort of like uh, being beautiful. Sure. You're never going to ask anybody, "Are you not innovative?" You yeah. Know, everyone thinks of themselves as innovative. Everyone thinks of themselves as uh, you know more attractive than, than the sure. average person. And so, I think um, you're never going to get anyone to say, "We don't do innovation." Um, some do it because they believe they need to have it as a buzzword. Other believe they need to have it as a transformation. But very few have any idea on how to do it because it really isn't uh, a well-defined, systematic uh, process that um, 
everybody knows about. What we try to do, particularly in this class, is put together that framework so that people that want to generate the innovative climate, culture, our programs, actually have some best practices, uh, has a roadmap for how to put that together, and also understands a little bit behind what's different from innovation from the standard uh, product development or um, creativity that people do. So what are some of those little things that maybe the components of innovation that you're kind of telling them? I know that you have the whole, you know, at least two days to cover that, but maybe in a broad stroke. Well, so I think, um, to start to start off with, uh, I'll just use an example here. Sure. So um, I think it was a year or two ago, uh, 60 Minutes had Jeff Bezos where he announced Amazon was going to deliver with drones. Sure. Okay. The drone technology had been around for several years. But it was sort of that insight of we can now use it to do this new thing that we could never do before. The innovation isn't about the drone or the technology that's always been there. It's about that new application. And so I think the first step is for people to realize that it's about finding the new opportunity for value is really where the innovation's focus. It's not about the technology. A lot of people get stuck on that piece. The other piece that I think is important is, is a lot of people think that if we do... I think the two biggest mistakes I see is people think in innovation, if we just put everybody in a room and brainstorm, we're going to get good stuff. And it turns out if you put everybody in a room and we do this here as an exercise and have them brainstorm, what you end up with is groupthink. You end up actually having half to a third as many ideas working in a group alone with no structure than you would if you um, went to each person individually. So what we try to do is teach people uh, a specific process for working with people to enhance their idea generation and to not get uh, stuck in the group think kind of ideas. So what are some of those idea generation practices that you're finding? So the first off is that um, uh, if you surveyed 100 people and asked them all the same question, sure. you'd probably get 98 that would give you similar answers and two that would give you answers that were totally different. And those totally different answers are some of those nuggets that you want to find. And so if we were to put all 100 people in a room and ask them together the question, the two people that had the outlier answers, sure. they would tend to congregate towards the other 98 people just to be part of the group. So one of the things we do is we encourage everyone to have people create ideas independently sure. and then come together as opposed to have a meeting to discuss all the ideas at once because that way you're able to capture those outliers that uh, you may not have done if you just pull everybody in a group to start with. Is it hard, though, to then find those outliers? Then how do you basically water the good idea seeds? and get them to germinate? Uh, so I think the first step is, if there's the outliers there, let them come forward. Don't stifle. I think so, if we use your analogy here, sure. what you don't want to do is step on the beautiful flowers. Sure. You want to allow them to grow. Uh, and then for those that um, have what I'll say is kind of the, the normal answers that we think, how do you get them to really come up with a disruptive perspective? And so we have a number of techniques uh, we try to do that. One of the strongest ones we use is with uh, analogies. And so we really work on people drawing analogies between what they're trying to solve or the product they're trying to develop and other areas. And so we will have people pretend to be animals. And how would the animals solve that solution? Sounds silly, but if you think of yourself as a little squirrel, you're going to be looking to solve that problem in a different way. Another thing that we do is we do a lot of prototyping uh, where people will build uh, little toys, little examples, so that people can play with things and see... Uh, how they might work, and that generates new ideas as we go forward. How are ways that we that we fall into the trap of stepping on good ideas, and how can we, we be aware of that so we don't do that as much? If you will, the biggest challenge for innovation is the expert. Sure. 
And so um, a lot of us are experts in our fields, and we solve very complex problems. And so what we try to do is we try to take everything we see and shape it into one of those problems we know how to solve and solve them efficiently. And so what often will happen, and we do an example uh, in our uh, program here, and I'll just give you the example here, how much dirt is in a hole that's six meters by two meters by one meter? Now you're already trying to think about the math. Most engineers are already trying to figure that out. And they're like, well, it's clearly 12. Six times two times one is 12. However, a few people stop for a moment, look at the problem and say, well, there's actually no dirt in a hole that's six meters by two meters by one meters. And so this is the example where sort of the expertise focuses us on wanting to solve a problem a certain way. So what we try to do is we try to get people to understand that they have a strong pre-bias to frame things in their own way and how to change that perspective. And we do a lot of work on uh, what we can do to change that in this class. Now, what is the difference between fostering innovation if you're in the ranks and as opposed to a leader? So I think, so leadership is, I think, one of the most important aspects of innovation program. Uh, one of the analogies we use is we show a picture of uh, sticky notes on the wall. We've all gone into a room where before us there had been an innovation sure. session and the post-its are on the wall, but everybody left and the post-its stayed on the wall. Sure. So the leadership role is really to get those, those ideas from the post-its into action. Um, and I think when we talk about fostering, um, I think the first step is much simpler. Just get out of the way. I mean, one of the techniques that we've, uh, we encourage people to do is to actually go, if you want to build an innovation team, is to offer it up as an extracurricular activity. You know, sure. anybody can join. Let's all meet at 6 p.m. after work and talk about the ideas for our department, our division, our company. And what you find is the people that are intrinsically motivated are the ones that are going to stay and do that extra work. They're also the ones that tend to try to look for multiple solutions. Some other ways to foster a sort of environment of, of innovation Oftentimes, a boss will give an assignment. When the assignment's complete, they'll give them the next assignment. Rarely do they say, hey, is there a second way to solve this or a third way to solve this? Um, so one thing to do is just to ask for multiple solutions to a problem. The second one is, is there really needs to be a way for people to uh, fail in a quick way. And so uh, oftentimes, what managers have tried to do is, is give an open space where you can try some projects. And really, the metric is... How many projects you've tried or how many new ideas you've gotten on and whether you've gotten to a solution or not. Which sort of also drives us towards uh, a lot of companies are putting together innovation spaces or innovation labs. Sure. And I think too much we get into, it's a room with technology. The purpose of the lab is really just to foster two things. One is to foster play, sure. to get people excited. And the reason why we want people to play is because they're going to try all kinds of different solutions. They're not going to get stuck in the expert route of, I found a solution, I'm done. It's going to be, let's find a dozen different solutions because that's fun. The other piece is the lab can provide the technology for them to prototype and create and test out new ideas, and that's another way that they can foster innovation. I'm trying to think through, you don't want to necessarily use names, but if you saw like if a superstar company that's doing it well, what does that look like? So I think... Um, so, not to use names, there's a couple companies, for instance, who say um, one has 20% uh, of your time, so every Friday, mm -hmm. uh, you can work on any project you want as long as it relates to a business goal of, of the main company. And so what that does really well is that lets people choose their own projects, and that's really important because people tend to be more creative when they're choosing their own projects. Sure. Uh, so I think that is one that's important. I think 
others that drive metrics on the newness of the ideas as opposed to the uh, rightness or ROI of the ideas is another one that goes through. Um, and I think also those that try to build a little bit of the innovation process into the day-to-day -day jobs. Uh, too often it's a separate piece in the company. What you want it to be is you want it to be everybody's job. What you don't typically want is an innovation team. You want everyone doing innovation. Sure. Do you feel like we're living in an innovative time? Or is it, are we so technology driven and we're into our phones? Our phones actually helping us? So I think, uh, so for me, innovation is the result of uh, the human drive for making the world better. Mm -hmm. And so we've always been that way. We're always constantly trying to do something new to make it better. So I think innovation has just been uh, part of us. The, the word is about 100 years old. And it really came about, I think, when technology started accelerating our ability to create new solutions. And I think that's the way to look at it, is technology accelerates, it doesn't create the innovation. And so the phones are, I mean, there's a lot of things happening uh, through social media, through apps that the technology and the phones are allowing us to do uh, that has uh, new pieces. I mean, the ability for, to take an example, the president to communicate with everyone within seconds sure. every Sunday morning uh, across the world is, you know, a very interesting new dynamic that we have. Whether you whether you like the tweets or you're not, it is a, a way that really is changing the way we interact, and we're having really the, almost a personal conversation, unscripted conversation with our government leaders. So I think um, there's perceived pockets, and then there's real pockets of innovation. And I think if we look around the country. Those places that are attracting the talent that want to do something new is really where that's happening. So I think here in Dallas, we have a lot of companies that are doing great work. Um, if you go to Austin, for instance, I think people may consider that maybe they're, they're a bit more innovation focused. They're starting to attract people who want to do more new things. And I think that's one of the things that uh, we need to do and that when I want to help uh, you know, with Tech Titans is to understand how we can attract more of the people who not only do uh, amazing jobs, but also want to do new jobs, want to do new technologies, and really sure. want to drive things forward. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. A couple questions I get from senior executives is, what, why doesn't innovation succeed in my company? And the answer usually has to do with because the leaders aren't pushing the solutions forward. Sure. Second piece is, is a lot of people think because they're not technical, they're not innovators. Uh, one of the great examples that I use uh, is macaroni and cheese. So macaroni and cheese, um, I think I calculated they, it's around a half a billion dollars worth of sales a year. Uh, people don't realize that in Canada it's called craft dinner and it is the number one dinner choice Man. of Canadian families. Uh, it was invented in the, I think the early 30s uh, by a salesman in St. Louis who was trying to sell powdered cheddar cheese. Man. And it was a new technology, it was great. Kraft got their start by basically building in pasteurization for cheese so it could be transported. Powdered cheddar cheese was the next best innovation because now all the water's been sucked out, it'll last for years, it'll be great. The problem is nobody wanted powdered cheddar cheese. And we're trying to figure out how do we get people to buy this new powder. And they couldn't figure it out, and the salesperson finally realized that people just wanted a good meal. And so he took a box of macaroni and he just tied a packet of powdered cheese to the box of macaroni and said, hey, here's your dinner. Instant success. And I haven't really calculated. It's been almost 80 years as a top product and it's selling a half a billion dollars a year now. All that was just about making the connection that powdered cheese and macaroni would make a good meal and that's where we want to go. And so innovation is as simple as that, just about making the right connections and understanding where the value is. Fascinating. 
And just from what we've talked about, I'm like, when can I come to the next class? I hope we have you back again sometime. We are. We're scheduling another Innovation Masterclass uh, in the fall, and we're hoping it's open to everyone uh, Everyone in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, there's a special discount for Tech Titans, and they get priority registration, so we hope uh, as many people can join us as possible. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Riggins. All right. Thank you, and I look right. forward to doing more with Tech Titans. All right. Perfect.